Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in Los Angeles with Denver Nuggets forward Jeff Green, who Jeff is out of COVID, back playing, dunking on people again, but looking for what out here? Looking for a haircut, right? Like Looking for a haircut, yes. <laughs> well, not looking, about to get one, a much needed haircut. <laughs> Yeah, the, it's half the country still. We thought that was behind us. We'd be able to go get haircuts and yeah, and um, you yeah, know. you got to schedule way in advance. So, you know. yeah, well, a lot to talk about, Jeff. A really unique NBA career. Eleventh team now, fifteenth season, top five pick back in two thousand and seven. But the first thing I want to ask you about, Jeff, and it seemed like it snuck up on you. I didn't realize until Mike Singer in the Denver Post wrote a great piece about you the other day. The 10th anniversary of your surgery at the Cleveland Clinic for an aortic aneurysm was coming out of the lockout year. You signed with Boston. And at the time, I'm not sure anybody knew what it meant for your future. As a basketball player, you were thinking about something potentially that was life-threatening. Of course. What do you think? Do you think back 10 years to that and learning of it, going through it, and then taking the next step of, I'm going to play in the NBA again. Yeah, I mean, obviously to this day, I think about it every day. Seeing the scar, um, whenever I'm getting dressed, it's a reminder of that incident. Um, it's uh, something, like you said, it came out of nowhere. I mean, for me, like you said, the lockout year, just waiting. When is the season going to start? Working out twice a day, sometimes three, just to make sure I'm in shape just to make sure I'm ready because it was a contract year and I wanted to go into camp, you know, in the best shape. You know, I was with a new team pretty much. I got traded to Boston a year before at the trade deadline. So I wanted to prepare myself as best as I can. So, you know, working out all through the fall, then we get the call, season's going to start in December. Cool. All right, I'm ready. I end up signing, I think it was a one-year deal in Boston to go back and then I remember I had to take a flight I think camp started probably like the 10th or something and I had to take a flight to Boston it was like at 5 30 in the morning because we had practice that day and I wanted to get there early so I took the first thing out it was a short short flight from DC and right from the airport I went to the hospital to do my physical and that's when we did the, the stress test. And i never forget that day. It was me laying down after running on the treadmill for like 30 minutes on a heavy incline. Like, ran, ran it well. It wasn't tired, nothing. Like, just, you know, got off. They started doing the scans, and i never forget. I looked at the doctor's face, and he was, it was a face of confusion. Like, he was just so confused that he didn't know what to do. So he was like, hold on, I'll be right back. And I was like, all right, like, take your time. Like, and another doctor, two, I think it was two doctors came in and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, we just see something, you know, it's nothing big, you know, don't worry about it, you know, just, you know, taking some pictures. And then two days later, it was a group call from my agent and a couple of the doctors telling me what they saw and that they red flagged the physical. I mean, that was, a, you know, first time I was like, oh, like, oh man, like, what really is going on? And that's when they started to break it down. And I never forgot, I sat in the doctor's office at the hospital. And he told me, I have to have surgery. And that was the first time, like, it really hit me. Like, oh, man, like, I'm not going to be able to play again. 
that was your initial thought. My career's yeah, over. I, I didn't think I was going to be able to play again. It was uh, a moment where it was my whole, you know, the workouts at Georgetown, you know, the games, everything was just like, all right, this is the end. And, you know, I didn't know what to do. I really, I didn't talk the rest of the day. And my best room, Willie Jennings, uh, from when I was a kid, he was with me because he helped me move to Boston. So he was, he was there with me. And, um, you know, Willie, he was, he saw every moment and telling me, he saw me walking out and I didn't say anything the rest of the day. Like I didn't talk. I was just sitting there just trying to figure out what just happened. And, you know, it was just like, you know, basketball career is over with. You have the surgery and then you start back up. Just the recovery is, you know, just building up stamina again and yeah. taking short steps. It, it feels, it initially, it feels a long way from being able to get out onto a court. Was there a point early on where they said, no, there's a chance you can play again? Or was it, we don't know. We don't know until we see how this recovery goes. No, it was, they, um, so I flew to Cleveland. I had the surgery at Cleveland Clinic and I flew there probably a couple weeks before I had to do the actual surgery. And I met with the surgeon, Dr. Svensson. And my first question was, can I play again? I looked at him then and I said, can I play again? And like his response was so nonchalant, like, of course, yeah, you can play again. And I was just like, are you sure? He was like, yeah, of course, like you'll be fine. You know, we have to do our initial scans and everything and tests to figure out, you know, what exactly we have to do. But um, from the reports I've seen, you'll be able to play again. You just have to get comfortable with the new you pretty much. You know, seeing the scar, knowing that I have, I'm going to have to have this surgery. That was his initial response. And once he told me that, no lie, like I, I felt like all the stress just left. It was just like, all right, I got to have a surgery. I can play. Now, mentally, my mental just changed. It shifted. Like, all right, once you have the surgery, just focus on day by day, your recovery, and getting preparing your body to be able to play again. That was where my mind went. And when they told me, when I met with them, so that was around the 17th of December. And it was like, oh, we have a slot next week to do the surgery. And I said, whoa, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to do that yet. Like, I, let me get some time. I mean, the holidays are coming up. You got Christmas, you got New Year's. I'm going home. I'm going to spend it with my family. So I went back to D.C., Maryland and I spent the holidays with my family and then I went to Boston packed the bag and then I we me and my family we flew to um, Cleveland and we got there a couple of days before and stayed at a hotel and I got prepared for the surgery when the doctor says to you Jeff basically you have to grow accustomed to the new you mm-hmm. did you know what he meant by that then did you learn what that meant maybe over time what he was saying by that over time but the day I was released from the hospital, probably like five or six days after I had the surgery, he said it again. And then he was mostly talking about seeing the scar every day. Because my, I'm 20, I was 25. I just turned 25. For me, like I, I, I really take pride in working out and lifting and, you know, keeping my body in shape, you know, looking good, you know. And, and I, I never forget, I have a picture of before and after and this. It was a complete, completely different person from the neck down. Like, it was like, wow, like, 
I mean, you have a scar from basically your collarbone down to your top abdomen. And I have three slots of where they had tubes come out, you know, which drains the fluid, you know, out. So it was like, man, like, I got to see this every day. And the way my body looks is like, I, I don't know who, you know, that is. And that's what he meant. Like, you got to get comfortable with seeing the scar, seeing the way your body's going to transform based off the surgery. And, you know, I got over it. It took a long, long time uh, to get used to it. It was a it, it, it took a long time. Um, it was it was something that I had to really, really get used to and tell myself, like, this is this is somebody you got to get comfortable with. This is you got to make the adjustment of, you know, enjoying, you know, who the new you, seeing the new you, um, working hard to become the new you. And it took a while. It took a while because at first it was like, man, I, I can't get used to this. This is not what I'm normal to see. Like, this is different. And after a while, it, t- it took a long, about a cool eight months until it was like, all right, I can deal with this now. Do you remember a turning point or a day, it something clicked that it, it changed to turn for you? I mean, it's, it was a couple. I mean, you're talking about going from being in a hospital. You know, it was a point in time. I woke up. I never forget. I woke up at like 3 in the morning because I couldn't cough. I couldn't really take, you know, completely like big deep breaths. And it was a point in time I woke up with phlegm caught in my, my throat. And it was like, I, I remember I told my best friend Willie, I said, I, I can't do this. Like, And I started crying. That's the first time you ever seen me cry. And then to a point where I never got my first basketball workout in in Maryland at Central High School with my trainer then Gary Lampkin, and we were working out there, and we were running full court. That's the first time like I started running, you know, full court uh, length, and it was all right. I can do this, and that mentally really triggered everything to put everything at full throttle to really you know push yourself to be the best new version of Jeff Green. It was that was the turning point then. When you you know, you played with a number of teams and when you go to a new locker room and you've got your shirt off in the locker room like players do, how often do younger players who aren't really your peer and maybe don't know the story say, Hey Jeff, what is that? Where is that from? Do you do you get asked that by guys? Uh, a lot. A lot. Like coming to Denver, I mean the age difference is Besides, like, Austin Rivers and Will Barton, I mean, the gap of years. I mean, Nicola's, you know, year six, you know, year seven, year six. So it's a 10 years almost. And I don't think he even knows. Or, you know, Bones Highland, you know, was a r- our rookie. I don't think he knows. So I remember the first day I had my shirt off and people like, you know, what's, what's the scar from? And, you know, you you don't, oh, you don't know? Like, yeah, I had heart surgery. And their face is in shock, you know? And, I mean, it, it's great, but it's, all, it's also like, oh, man, like, you know, a lot of people don't know, you know? I think that that shows the hard work that I put in to, you know, get to this point. But there is a lot of guys who I believe probably don't realize that I did go through heart surgery. And, you know, like I said in the in the report with, with Singer, like, it's – that's a testament of the hard work that I just put in, you know, to let them know, like, you know, I battled through a lot and I went through a lot, you know, to get to the point I am today and to, for people to not, you know, know and, you know, not, they can't tell. I think that's what I, I love most about it. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, Jeff, 10 years later, your career now, coming to Denver on a team that, when healthy has a chance potentially to give you the one thing that has eluded you. You've been to the finals. You haven't won a championship yet. The, the front court you've played with this year with Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and you um, statistically is one of the best in the league when you guys are on the floor. And listen, the hope is Jamal Murray is going to come back. Michael Porter Jr. comes back. And if it's not at full strength this year, you have a group next year that's built and you're on a two-year deal. I want to start with Jokic. You have played the list of guys you played with through your career. We were talking about this early. Only one player in the league has played who's had more teammates than you. Mm -hmm. You've had 238 teammates. Mm -hmm. Trevor Reza's had more. I don't know how many he had. But you played with LeBron, KD, twice. Mm -hmm. You played with them early in Oklahoma, Seattle, and then Oklahoma City, and then Brooklyn. Chris Paul, Harden, Westbrook, Paul Pierce, KG. Ray Allen, Mike Connolly, Marcus Saul. But Jokic, how do you describe playing with him and just how different he is from, I don't know, what we would, what we're used to in the league when we think of an MVP, a first team All NBA player, how unique he is? You're talking about probably the most humble, quiet to himself superstar in this league. Like you mentioned, all those guys I just played with, easily, skill-wise, he's up there, top three, for sure. But the LeBrons, KDs, everything, everybody just named, that attention factor is different. He doesn't ask for it. He doesn't, to me, I don't think he gets it. He doesn't get enough of it. He should get more. But I think it's because of how he is. He goes out there, he just plays. It's not a lot of who brought behind high plays, but he gets it done, and he gets it done at a high level. Talking about a walking triple-double at the five every night. The passing ability is probably top two. I mean, you, LeBron, him, like it's he's up there in the post, on the perimeter. Defense, like he is probably top three on that list to me, of guys I played with. From the outside looking in, 
you're like, how how does he get it done? How how does he do it? Like to me, I'm looking at the film. He's like, man, he's slow. Like, he's probably he's slow. He's he can't. There's no way he's doing this every night. Then I get here, no lie, the first week I'm here, I'm like, okay, now I see it. Like I never forget, we played pickup, and he threw a cross court pass, and I was guarding the the defender, the guy he, who he threw it to. He threw it with his left off hand on the money. Like the guy didn't move across my face, and I'm just and I after he passed, I looked at him, I'm just like I can't like you just threw that, I can't believe it. Like this guy is, he's easily in I think this year in the running again for MVP. He should be one or two. The things I've witnessed him do night in and night out has been spectacular, and you know the fact that he's very very humble. I mean I I didn't know he was that young. I mean, this sixth year in the league, Denver got them a good one in, in Joker. Uh, I love every bit of his game. His IQ is amazing. His love for the game is amazing. The guy works extremely hard on his body, on his game. Like, I mean, every day, literally every day, he's putting in the work to make sure he's available for the team and that he's able to produce the way he can. And it's amazing to watch every night. You have played, <laughs> you go through, you're there for Lob City. You're there with Gasol and Connolly in Memphis. You play with KG, mm-hmm. Ray Allen, Paul Pierce in Boston. But the very beginning, the Seattle, you and KD are still the two guys left in the league who played in Seattle. Russell Westbrook, there's those photos of him on draft day yeah. in a Seattle uniform. Never but he got never the chance. <laughs> that young group in Oklahoma City. I, I remember the first time you were in the playoffs, 2010. Against the Lakers. Against the Lakers. You lost that game six in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. I think somebody missed the box out. Lamar Odom got mm-hmm. in, tipped it in. And I always remember this. Kobe was leaving his press conference, and Russ and KD were walking in. And Kobe just looks at those two and said, I am glad I don't have to see you two mother anymore. And he looked at me. I was standing right behind him, and he looked at me and shook his head. I always remember that was a turning point for Kobe because at that time he was still very obsessed with what LeBron was doing in the East, you know, that LeBron was becoming what he is, what he at the time was getting to his apex. And I remember feeling with Kobe, that was the first time he realized, I have got a problem in Oklahoma City. Getting out of the West against these two Mm -hmm. is going to be a real problem that series, that year, what do you remember about, you know, it's funny, I think that game six, I look back, James Harden barely played. Mm-hmm. I think he had three points in that game. What do you remember about getting into the postseason then, the first time with that group and and going up against Kobe and the Lakers? Well, it all started here before because we won 21 games. So, like, that summer, like, we were adamant about just working out. Like, we were hungry about just – being better and then we come into that year we went jump from like 21 to like 55 wins and in the first round we get Kobe and the Lakers and like for us we're like man, we could beat them like we can really beat them like we can shock everybody and just run into these playoffs because we were confident in what we had and what we were and we weren't scared at all 
about going against you know the Lakers. Like to us, we were like, oh man, we could take. We're young. We like we just run them, run them all over the place. You know, they kind of old, they kind of slow. You know, we're, we're buying them all these guys, pow. And when we won our first game, we was like, oh, we can really do this. Like this is this can be done. Like we had the confidence, but when we won the first one, we was like, oh, this can be done. And man, when we got to OKC. And that fan base, like, and I'm telling you, I've never been in an arena where before you run out, the stadium is already, every seat is already filled. Everybody's already standing up. And we were just really, really excited to be in the playoffs and go against the Lakers, go against Kobe, and to try to beat him. Like, we had all the confidence in the world, and, like, it was it was amazing. Like that was that was electrifying. Like to go against them and you know have them on the ropes. You know and just Kobe. You know being Kobe, he took over and you know he did the special things that he did to you know get them you know that serious win. But like that team that we had, like we were ultra confident and we were just a bunch of young guys who you know wanted to win very very bad. And I mean we had a good chance. I mean we we had a good chance. It's just you know, I think you know the experience factor played a part you know and you know keeping a composure in certain parts of that that series um but you know we always felt like we can we can beat them when you were with harden at that time would you have imagined him as a future mvp the young player who came in and was playing the role he was playing in okc then playing that role no but i knew he was really really talented yes um you know, I think just the role really held him back as far as showcasing everything he's showcasing now. And, you know, it was it was tough because, you know, you had a bunch of young guys, you know, you had Russell, KD, Serge, myself, uh, James, you know, Tabo Cephalosha, you know, um, we had a bunch of young guys who all individually were really, really good. Collectively, we knew somebody had to sacrifice, somebody really had to take a backseat to you know, make this thing work. And we all we all sacrifice something and, you know, to make our team better. But James in that role, you know, I knew he was really, really good, but I can tell the truth. Like I don't think he would have been the player he is today if he would have stayed in that role. If Sam would have, you know, came out of pocket of, you know, those extra um three or four million just to keep him there. You know, it was uh I don't think he would have blossomed into who he is now. But the talent was always there. You know, it's just, you know, when you're in, with teams like that, you have to sacrifice for the betterment of the team. You know, it's easy to look back at that and say, if they just would have kept those three together, mm-hmm. how many championships they would have won. But I think we also kind of know how history goes sometimes. And I don't know that the group, James would have accepted that role. He did accept that role for a short time. Yeah. If you had signed the extension, let's say they maxed them out and they were going to pay all three, they would have had to have trade, traded yeah, somebody, somebody, right? Don't you agree? No, no one would have. He wouldn't have gone four years or five years and say, "I'll, I'll just continue to be this. I'm going to be Mono Ginobili here." Right? Yeah, I think. I mean, like you say, knowing how the league works now, you know, been in it for so long, somebody who had to go. It would, it would have got to a point in time where one of them would have been like, "Hey, all right." Now I need to figure out how I can take my game to the next level. How can I, you know, take my brand, my individual person to the next level of the superstardom that I want to be? And 
somebody would have had to be like, all right, I can't be here no more. I have to, you know, I have to spread my wings and fly. I got to go somewhere else and, you know, try to make it work. It would have got to that point. If they didn't, if they would have signed him, if they wouldn't have won in the next three years, maybe, it would have got to that point. I mean, but that's just how the NBA is. And that's how, you know, an individual, you know, thinks sometimes. But, I mean, you just never know. I mean, they did. They had their one chance against Miami. And I think, you know, when it didn't work, it was just like, all right, you know, let's let's try to get something now. Did Oklahoma's trade of you to Boston for Perk and that deal, did that take you by surprise? It did. I'm not going to lie, it really did. Because we were, I mean, me and KD, obviously, you know, coming from the same area, already super close. Develop a relationship with Russell, with James. Everybody in the organization knew how we were. Like, we were, like, really, really close. Every road trip, always together, always at dinner. That's when we were able to go. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have all that stuff. So it was, we would go to the mall. We would, you know, we would always go to the mall in the city, then go out to eat, and then we'd hang out. And that's how it was everywhere. So everybody knew in the organization that we were super, super close. And I'll never forget, we was in San Antonio, and like all trade deadlines, the team buses at 2 o'clock. Trade deadline is at 3. All right, we're going to push it back to, you know, 3.30, you know. And that's when we was like, all right, all right, what's going to happen? And we had, then we had a couple older guys. So we was like, all right, maybe, you know, because I think that's the year we were going to get, it might have been that year, we almost got Tyson Chandler. Um, the deal fell apart. Yeah, the deal yeah. fell apart, I think, because of his foot or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But Joe Smith for Joe yeah. Smith and something. Somebody, yeah. somebody yeah. else. Mm-hmm. And it was – all right, maybe, you know, since that didn't work, maybe we get something else. And then it was like 256, 258, and it was like, and I never forget, we, I was in my room watching ESPN, you know, everybody watches it. And most people say they don't, but everybody watches, you know, the trade deadline. And, oh, alert, Jeff Green traded to Boston with uh with Christich for – Kendrick Perkins, Nate Robinson. And we was I never forgot. I was looking at it like that first trade feeling is you don't know what to do. You don't know how to feel. And I was in shock. I never forget me and KD came to my room and we were just like, wow, like, like, damn, like, this really happening. Like, this you gone. And I was like, Yeah, man, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to do now. Like, you know, you know, I just sit here and wait or, you know, whatnot, but it, it definitely took me by surprise um, because, you know, Oklahoma, the family atmosphere, and I didn't feel it at that point. I didn't feel it at that point. Yeah, I can't imagine, too, you go from very different locker rooms. <laughs> very young. To- <laughs> right, very yeah. sort of innocent. It was like an innocent yeah. thing. Like it was like you were you were almost like this college team. It was like you were new to the town. The NBA was new to Oklahoma City. You had, you know, this young group that you're building with. You were like – we embraced it. Yeah, you we were like this college team. It. You were like freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Like the, that's what it felt like. And then you go to Boston, which is like KG Pierce, <laughs> like the complete opposite of mm. that. That's like yeah, everything so, about it was just opposite. Yeah. Of I mean, not opposite, but yeah. um, Please, expectations yeah. were different. You know, I think we were a young team. Our expectation the year before was all right. Let's get to the playoffs. In Boston is is championship like is we're getting to the finals, we're going to win a championship. 
And I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that that feeling. I don't know that. How do you do that? Like, you know, you get to the first round of playoffs. Like, all right, yeah, we're here. Yes, let's try to make the best. No, Boston. We're getting to the playoffs. I don't care about round one. I don't care about round two, three. We get into the finals. And you know, when you've never been there, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's that like mentally. What's that that preparation like? And going from a young locker room to a veteran locker room. It was hard. I knew um, Doc. That was the only thing that really helped because I had a relationship with him from when I was in college. I played with his son at Georgetown, Jeremiah Rivers. And, you know, we developed a, a relationship then, you know, just talking basketball. And going there with him made it a little easier. But the locker room, it was just like, man, like, how, how do I get used to this? And you were replacing a player in Perk who yeah. was popular with Very, the fans. He was yes. popular in that locker room. Yes. That was part of it too, right? Yeah, it was it, that that I never forgot. I had a press conference then. It was not till a couple a week or so afterwards where I just came out and I was like, "Look, man, I didn't come here to to replace Perk to I mean, we played at different positions cuz I kept getting that question like a little different player. Yeah, yeah, like, "Oh man, like, you know, Perk was a fan favorite. Like, how how are you going to win over the crowd?" I'm like, "I'm not here to replace Perk." Obviously the Celtics were wanting to go in a different direction as far as how they play and you know I fit the bill and you know that's why I'm here I'm not here to replace Perk you know I love Perk you know I watched him as a player played against him very competitive but I'm not here to replace him and it was hard that first the rest of that year was difficult like just trying to get through to people like I'm not I'm not here to cause no problems I'm here to just play and win just like you guys want and and that was the difficult part and you know he had developed relationships especially with kg with rondo they were very very close and you know i i was like hey look guys like you know this is who i am like you know we we got to develop some kind of relationship to try to get through this thing and you know eventually we did you know i'm not gonna say like it was tough like they really was hard on me when i first got there now they were great teammates but, I, you know, you can kind of feel it just in the Boston area as far as, you know, how that trade affected the whole city because of, you know, the what Perk meant to them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You had some interesting locker room dynamics when you think about Boston, you know, the Rondo Ray thing yeah. evolved over time. The, you know, there was a dynamic there. You go to Lob City, which was, we probably could do like a three part series <laughs> of stories you have from from the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre, mm-hmm. 
L.A. thing. And then places like Memphis, where it was a pretty unique thing with mm-hmm. Marcus Gasol, yeah, Mike Conley. Um, you yeah, can't forget Zebo. You can't forget T.A., yep. Tony Allen. Yeah, it was a that was that was a special group, man. Just the, I mean, it, it was weird. Like you go from young to an older locker room to now you got a mixture, but the low maintenance of the mall was in the team. I mean, you got the markets. Like it was just a different dynamic, you know. And Grand City, you know, it was that was a special team. I mean, given the relationships that I still have with those guys today. Um, I mean, I know Mike since, since college. We played against each other in the Final Four. Same draft. Same draft. You know, Zebo. you know, still talk to him to this day. You know, Mark, still close. You know, Vince, Vince Carter, who was there, who, you know, really, really showed me, you know, what it is to be a pro. You know, that dynamic of the team. And, I mean, still, the locker room had a bunch of, you know, different characteristics in it. But that team was special. Like, I mean, I think because of injuries, it was kind of hard. You know, Mike getting hurt in the first round, you know, in Portland really mm-hmm. set us back against Golden State, even though we had a 2-1 lead. You know, him to really get a rhythm in that that series was hard. And, I mean, Steph was being Steph. You know, Clay was being Clay. That, that series against Golden State, you beat Portland. This is 2013. Mm-hmm. You beat Portland in the first round. And then you're up 2-1 on Golden State. Yeah. And there was a lot of pre- – that group had not been down in a series. And we were talking about this earlier before we came on, but – I remember, you know, being there for that, and it felt like, almost like a football analogy, though, the Grizzlies were like the team that was going to run the ball, run clock, <laughs> keep mm. possession, and the Warriors were like, you know, the aerial assault, right? Mm. And it was like, could you impose your will? And you did for a part of that series yeah. until... Yeah, we had a we had a lockdown, lockdown defender on the outside, you know, of TA, you know, that's first team. You know the way he played defense against Clay, against Steph, the whole series was was amazing, and we believed that we had that series. Um, not until you know Steph really turned it on and he started hitting all those threes, but we believed that we was going to take them. Uh, we had them down, you know, two one back in Memphis. Um, we were just going to, you know, throw the ball inside to Mark and, and Zebo and really just, you know beat them up down low and you know in the post and we did that for the most part and then they just got going they really started connecting on all cylinders and that's when we kind of lost the series you know they started hitting and we just couldn't you know match that that energy and in those threes it it really took took a toll on us and it really that's when we kind of lost the series is when they really just started hitting all those threes and we couldn't really match it you know it was kind of tough for us to match it and you know that's when they really took off Jeff, how dramatically different is it for you where you are in your career as now is a mismatch nightmare playing some small ball center and doing mm-hmm. different things at this point in your career than coming out of Georgetown, I think 15 years ago, mm-hmm. um, how differently the league's changed. And if you were a player, if you were a player coming up through high school, AAU, college, how differently your development might have been mm-hmm. knowing where the game was going. You couldn't have known then. No, I mean, it was tough. Um, and I, I credit Georgetown with all my, my success of getting to the league. Because coming in to Georgetown, I, 
as a player, like I never played AAU. I probably played, you know, one or two tournaments AAU. Uh, I wasn't in the circuit. I don't know nothing about, you know, AAU. But Georgetown really helped me develop the fundamentals of basketball, being able to shoot, being able to pass. Coach Thompson really made me every day work on the fundamentals of basketball. I was just really athletic coming into college. And I had to really change my game to being at Princeton to really showcase what I can actually do. It took me two years to really get comfortable with it. But it helped me turn the corner to really prepare myself to get to the, to the NBA. And if I knew what I knew now, coming into the NBA, I mean, I don't, I don't like to, you know, do the what ifs. The career might be different, I'm not sure, but the mental process would be be different as far as, oh, this is a team, very team. Like, everybody has to be involved. Everybody has to, you know, be part of the game, you know. And that's, that was where I was at mentally coming into the NBA until, you know, years on years of, you know, battling myself, battling, you know, how to get through this, of realizing, like, sometimes you have to be selfish. I'm not, I'm not a selfish guy. Sometimes you really have to be selfish, you know, to get your own way, to, you know, make a name for yourself. And I didn't, I didn't get that through my head to years on years to into the league. You know, I think the mental process of, you know, knowing how you got to be in the league, it would have helped if I knew that, you know, coming in, you know, and would I change it? No, because I love the way my career is gone. I wouldn't change nothing, you know, in my career. Would it help? Yes. You know, and obviously, you know, given the information on how, you know, the league is, but, you know, it is what it is, you know, you, you deal with it and, you know, but I still love the way, you know, I'm adapting and I'm developing, you know, at year 15, you know, in the league. My game has changed, obviously, you know, from being a guy who, you know, drive, 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 and now it's, you know, and I can shoot, you know, now to adapt to how the game is going of a lot of threes. <laughs> and, you know, the selfish mentally part, you know, I wish I had a little bit more coming in. Year 15 now, Jeff. How many years do you imagine playing in this league? How many more? As many as I can. As many as I can. I mean, I, I really, really love this game. I love playing basketball. Um, I mean, everything I've gone through in my career on the basketball front and personal as far as the surgery, I want to maximize this as much as I can. Um, you know, I, I've all, when I was younger because of, you know, going to Georgetown, I looked at guys like AI, Dikembe, Alonzo, Big Pat, how many years they played? 15 plus. All right. Be one of these Georgetown greats. I got to play 15 plus. Then I get to it and it's like my body's still feeling good. The love is still there. The passion of the game is still there. I mean, you ask my wife. I mean, she she honest, she said it the other day. She was like, you know, I could tell how much you love it. I was in COVID for seven days and I got the call that I'm cleared and I was just in the house. Like, yes, yes, I can't wait to get back. And I was gone to the gym in like the next 30 minutes, you know, and that's when she was like, you know, I can honestly tell you really love it. And I do. And, you know, when do I want to stop? And until they put me out, you know, I, I want to go. If it's 25 years, I play 25 years. You know, if it's 23, I play 23. But I never put a I don't want to put a number to it anymore. I just want to play until I can no more. And, you know, see how many that is. How much do you think your surgery has impacted that prism that you see this through now? Oh, it impacted 100%. Like, everything that I've gone through with the surgery, 
has prepared me for today of, you know, taking every day. Don't don't take it, you know, this for granted. Really enjoying each day. You ask any of my teammates from when I came back in 2012 to now, I've always came in with a positive attitude to practice, to film, anything, breakfast, the games. My mental has always been positive. There's nothing you can say bad about me. I've always came to work hard, and that's because of that surgery. Um, and it really allowed me to, you know, focus and, you know, really enjoy each day because that one meeting of saying like, all right, you got to put a hold on your career right now because you got to have the surgery. It felt like it was taken away. So now it's like, man, I got to enjoy this while it's still here. So that surgery has everything to do with my my mental, my my focus, my appreciation for the game now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A huge thank you to my guest today, Denver Nuggets forward, Jeff Green. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also listen to The Low Post with Zach Lowe, The Hoop Collective, featuring Brian Windhorse, and of course, the Adam Schefter Podcast with my good friend, Adam Schefter. We'll catch you next time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.